Welcome to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, a place for healing and hope for couples impacted by betrayal resulting from infidelity and or sex addiction. Your hosts are Marnie Breaker and Dwayne Osterland, licensed marriage and family therapists, certified sex addiction therapists, and founders of respective treatment centers in Long Beach, Los Angeles, and San Diego, California. Marnie and Dwayne co-created Helping Couples Heal, a comprehensive program for couples recovering from betrayal trauma, including an in-person two-day workshop, an online aftercare program, and this podcast series is the first component of the program. Thank you for listening. Marnie and Dwayne are committed to helping you recover from the devastating impact of betrayal trauma and are honored to support you wherever you may be in your healing. If you've lost hope, you've come to the right place. Now, take a slow, deep breath, and let's begin with the Helping Couples Heal podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Helping Couples Heal. My name is Wayne Ocherland, and I'm with my co-host, Marnie Breaker. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here, and I think we have a wonderful topic today. We're going to talk about being responsible for your care, being responsible for your own healing, and what that means and how you can do that in your recovery journey. And this is a critical component in the Helping Couples Heal model, because building that treatment team around you is critical for success but at the same time, advocating for your own care, making sure you're getting the most out of the healing experiences that you can with your treatment team, with your care team, with your support network. I want to really illustrate what we're talking about here by talking about a client that I was talking to recently. And she was actually talking about her husband. They were looking for a couple's therapist. They had a couple's therapist. And in the past, it seemed to go well. Unfortunately, the couple like aborted their whole therapy plan and wanted to really just kind of move past the betrayal, not fully deal with it, and just kind of move on with their lives. And I understand why people would want to do that. Right? It's, it's not usually easy to do that. But this couple was sort of really committed to that. They left therapy and they went on and lived their life together. And then after a couple of years, there was a new betrayal, a new discovery. And so it brought them back in. And the husband, the person who had betrayed in this particular relationship had gone back to their couple's therapist a couple of times, and then just sort of made this blanket statement. This isn't the therapist. We have to find somebody new. And is also saying that about his own therapist, right? This is not the right therapist. I want to find somebody new. And I really want to say before we move on that we understand that not every therapist is the right therapist. We know that. I'm not the right therapist for everyone. Dwayne's not the right therapist for everybody. Um, every therapist has their own unique style. Some therapists seem very compassionate and loving and warm, and other therapists might not have that, but they are really great with giving direction and performables and helping somebody, let's say, with addiction, like deal with all the tasks that are involved, right? So every therapist is different, and we get that. So we're not talking about staying in therapy when it's really not the right fit. What we're talking about is just making a statement, this isn't the right person or this isn't working, and then leaving and trying to find somebody else that quote unquote is going to work when it's not about the therapist, right? It's not about the therapist. In fact, some of the reasons this might happen are the therapist is actually really great and is giving guidelines about things that need to happen in between the therapy sessions and that one or both of the people is not following through with those recommendations. Or 
the person is in therapy checking the box, but they're not really present. They're not really hearing. The therapist can be giving all sorts of education, explanation, support, and somebody sitting in the therapy office could be, you know, in their mind, they're thinking about a podcast they listened to the day before, or they're thinking about a call they have to make later, or they're just totally checked out, or they are so busy judging the process or thinking this isn't working, this isn't going to work, or this therapist doesn't know what they're talking about. And then the last thing that I want to mention too, is that, yes, sometimes therapy, like any relationship might be going down a road that isn't necessarily the right one. And in any relationship, we have to take responsibility for telling that person that we're in a relationship with how it feels for us. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've talked with clients who say that they're, let's see, seeing another therapist for couples therapy or maybe even group therapy, and it's not working, so they're just going to leave. And I say, well, have you talked to the therapist about your concerns? Have you told your therapist what you're looking for and what's not working? And they're like, no. And often they'll be like, I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want it to be uncomfortable. And I'll say, but this is part of therapy. This is exactly one of the things about going to therapy that's helpful is learning how to have potentially difficult or uncomfortable conversations. And doing it with a therapist gives you the opportunity to practice it in a safe environment with somebody who is going to be supportive and who's not going to lash out, right? And it could be a really helpful therapeutic experience. So to wrap up what I'm saying, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Dwayne, all of these different ways that people can rationalize why a therapist or the therapy is not working often is not at all about the therapist, but it is about the client. Yeah. And this is really about advocating for your care and knowing the difference between is this therapist or coach a good fit or not a good fit? If you can't evaluate that very well, if you're not willing to have that discussion with this coach or therapist. Now, I would say if the coach or therapist isn't willing to have this discussion or is very dismissive of this kind of discussion saying, I don't know if this care is working. I don't know if this is the right direction we're going in. And that coach or therapist is dismissive of that process with you. Maybe that's a sign that that isn't the right therapist for you because you have to be able to have that discussion and you want a coach or a therapist that's going to listen to you and process with you as you advocate for your own care. At the end of the day, you're the one that really knows what you need if you listen to that and listen to that process. But if you're walking away because for some reason, you know, it's just not working, I don't want to deal with it, or they're asking me to do stuff that I don't think is helpful or I'm scared or I'm just going to avoid it, or you know, they've asked me to do these things and I haven't done them, then you want to reflect back on yourself and go, what is it about this task that they may be asking me to do? Maybe an example would be, I'm supposed to be setting boundaries in my relationship, and I haven't, and that feels overwhelming. And instead of facing that and asking yourself, what's going on for me here? Why is this so difficult? And looking at yourself, you go, well, this person doesn't know how to help me. I'm moving on. And I'm not really looking at my piece in this process. And therapy is hard. It's difficult. I mean, especially when we're looking at betrayal trauma, we have to face some really, really tough issues that are really, really challenging. And so being able to do that work and look back and take ownership is part of that process. And one more thing also 
What I found people who get better are the people who are willing to advocate for their care, their own care. And they're able to say, this is what I need. And will you discuss this with me? And at times with that discussion comes new discovery. And it might be that the therapist or coach can say, well, have you thought about this and that and this about that situation? And you may have a realization that actually what you were thinking you needed to do might not be the best thing you need to do. So you open up the possibility by having these hard conversations with a therapist. Yeah. Or by saying to the therapist, after I heard what you said last week, this is how I felt. It really didn't feel good for me. And I felt very, whatever it is, very judged, or I felt unheard or, you know, not seen. And then the therapist has the opportunity to say, thank you so much for telling me that. You've given me such a great opportunity here. If you didn't tell me, I wouldn't have known. And then I couldn't make it right, or we couldn't discuss it. And then the therapist can then respond to whatever the concern was. But this brings me to another point, which is about therapy being a collaborative process. I think a lot of people, when they think about therapy, particularly when they haven't done therapy or they haven't done much therapy, they think of it as a relationship where the client comes in and the therapist is the, not just expert, but is the sort of authoritative figure. And so the therapist is going to set the agenda and the pace and, and all of it. And then the client just kind of looks to the therapist and follows along. And that is actually not in any way correct. It's not a good way to look at or an accurate way to look at therapy. Therapy is truly collaborative and it's a relationship between two people. And one person, yes, has experience and training and qualification, right? And education that allows them to teach and allows them to offer suggestions and possibilities and reflect back things and say, okay, try this on, see if this works, but it might not work right? As a therapist, we can mirror back things we're hearing, we can reflect back, and then we can offer suggestions. But that's just one part of the relationship. The other part is the client. Yeah. And and I was just thinking, because I know like when I'm working with clients, I'm using my expertise and I'm using my clinical intuition, but at the same time, recognizing that my intuition is just that it's intuition doesn't mean it's absolutely correct. And so I love it when clients give me feedback because it makes me a better helper to them. And I try to encourage it. And I try to say, does that feel right for you? Do you think this is good? So they can understand that it's okay to challenge my thoughts about it. Yeah, Dwayne, I can't tell you how often I have clients in my office I would say in my office, but it's no longer in the office. It's now Zoom. So in the Zoom room, and they're telling me about another therapist that's not working for them. I kind of said this earlier. And then they tell me all these different issues they have with the therapist. And the first question I always ask is, have you talked to them about this? And I swear 9.999 times out of 10, they say no, right? And so it's very common as you said, it's easier in life. You know what? It's just easier to just make a decision. I'm done. This relationship's not working for me. This job's not working for me. This, whatever it is, isn't working for me. And I'm just going to leave. So it might be harder to actually come and face it and talk about it, but it's always the healthier, not just healthier. It's always the, help me come up with a word here, Dwayne. I think healthier is a good word. It is the healthier choice. It's the healthiest choice when we walk into these difficult conversations directly and hopefully 
this coach or therapist that is seeing this client is grounded enough in their own work to not buy it, but to listen to the concern. Yeah. And if the therapist is offended by it and makes it clear to the client that they're offended, then unfortunately, that therapist has a lot of their own work to do. You know, therapists, coaches, we're all human and we might have a feeling about it. If a client says something like, I don't think you're the right therapist or coach for me, that therapist might feel sad, but then they deal with that. If they need the support, they take it someplace else. But a therapist, our goal, our number one goal is to act in the best interest of our clients at all times. So if I have a client, I promise all of you, this is <laughs> the truth. If a client came to me and felt like I wasn't the right therapist and we talked about it, I'd be the first person to say, then let's find somebody who's going to be the right fit for you. I want you to be with the very best. In fact, to be honest, I'll bring that up sometimes with clients where they're not bringing it up. I'll say, you know, I feel like maybe we're stuck. Maybe it might be a good time for us to find another clinician who might have a different approach, a different perspective, you know, someone who might be able to help get you unstuck. And I'll tell you, a lot of times my clients will be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm staying here. We're going to do this. But my point of sharing this is that as the therapist, my goal is to always evaluate and make sure that this is working. And working doesn't mean that the pain is gone and the trauma is resolved and there's some triggers. That's not what it means. It means are we on a path of healing and growth? Are we making baby steps towards the bigger goals? Because to accomplish those bigger goals, you have to walk through the very, very murky waters, the painful waters. You know, therapy is absolutely not easy. Like you said, Dwayne, it is a courageous act to be in therapy. It's going to push buttons. It's going to bring up conversations and topics you might never have wanted to address or talk about. But it is definitely the path of healing and growth. And I think if we're no longer growing, then sort of our human experience is stunted a bit. Yeah. I also want to recognize that these kind of conversations might be really, really new for someone coming into this work. They may not be used to them. They may not even realize they can have this kind of conversation with their therapist or coach, their professional to be able to say, hey, this isn't working for me or something's not right here. And to be able to have the courage to say that. And then also, I want to add, because when we're working with sex addiction and betrayal trauma, this is long-term work. So in some ways, it can feel like this process is a little bit slower. But I would say that you should have some general goals of where you're going in your therapy and what you're working on so that as a therapist and client, as a team, you're working towards those things. And if you really talk to the therapist or the coach and say, what are we doing here? Where are we going? How are you trying to help me if you're feeling stuck or if you're feeling like you're not moving forward? You can say that to them and say, look, I feel like we're stuck. I feel like we're not moving. What's your goal here? What do you think we're doing? Yeah, I always do this with clients in the first session and sometimes in subsequent sessions as well. And I evaluate it over and over. What are the goals? You tell me what the goal is, right? I'm not here to tell you what your goal is going to be for therapy. I'm here to help put together a plan to help you achieve the goal. But really in those early sessions, establishing very clearly what the goals are, because what that does for me as the therapist is it then helps me as we're moving, see if we're on track. 
you know, sometimes what will happen is I, I'm listening to clients in our, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh session, and I'm realizing we're talking about some things that seem like they're really not necessarily related to what the goals were that the clients presented with at the beginning. And then I'll ask them, hey, I just wanted to check in. I know when we met and we talked about your goals, this is what your goal is. And now we're talking about this. Has the goal changed or are we now experiencing some sort of um, fear about really diving into what the real goal is? Is some resistance coming up or is it that some new thing has popped up and that's what you want to turn your attention to now? But we have to talk about that. And again, like Dwayne said, you as the client have a responsibility to participate in that process. If you think you're going to come into a therapist's office and they are going to be able to sit down and know what's in your mind and know what's best for you and know what the plan is and the road, what it's going to look like, that's distorted thinking. It's impaired thinking. It's not accurate. It is a very collaborative process. And I think it's really important to just sit and pause for a moment with that idea. It's a collaborative process. So if you think of the word collaboration right off the bat, it's clear that both people have to take an active role. And I do want to say for anyone who might be sitting with some feelings about treatment-induced trauma, we are not talking about treatment-induced trauma. So we absolutely believe that when a client comes in and they have experienced trauma from another treating professional, another therapist, another coach, any mental health professional, then it's absolutely in the best interest of that client to leave. And in fact, the new therapist is then tasked with having to help the client process and work through the treatment-induced trauma. Now, on top of all the other issues that really the client came into therapy with to begin with. So I'm not talking about if you have experienced treatment-induced trauma and you left, I'm not talking about you had this uh, responsibility and should have done something different. I'm not talking about that. So I just want to make that delineation and make that very clear. We're talking about when you just go to a therapist, you have not experienced any kind of treatment-induced trauma, and you're having this experience like, oh, I'm not getting my needs met, or this isn't really going well, the therapist isn't good, the therapist is not effective, and I'm going to leave. You know, And we are, as always, doing our very best here to be direct, but to also be doing that in a way that's kind and caring, because it's coming from a place of really wanting Anybody who's listening to this podcast, we imagine what we make up, unless you're another therapist or mental health professional, you want help. You want to get better. You want to feel better. You want to resolve trauma. You want to get out of pain. You want to heal the relationship. You want to heal yourself, all of these things. You want to heal your intuition. And so we want to make sure that you give yourself the very best opportunity to do that. And so again, we're addressing this because we see patterns all the time. Like consistently, we see patterns and hear clients talk about, it's the therapist, it's the therapist. Can you give me a new referral? Can you send me someplace else? This one didn't work. And sometimes I'm like, wait a second, you've had four therapists. Let's talk about that. I can give you a 10 more amazing therapists, but let's talk about why are they not working? In fact, not too long ago, I had a client who I see in couples therapy and um, you know, I was making a recommendation to a new person. And I said to the client, listen, I'm going to give you this new referral for an individual therapist, but you have to, I don't usually say you have to do something, but you do. You have to tell the therapist why these other therapists didn't work for you. In the clearest terms possible, let the therapist know why it didn't work for you and what you are looking for now. Yeah. You know, often when people come to me 
and they've already been in therapy with somebody else, that's one of the first questions I ask is, so what was working in that? What wasn't working in that? Like, why did that therapist feel like it wasn't a a fit for you to get that conversation going? And I think that that helps clients kind of see their own process in that and their own role in that. And I was also going to say, as you were talking, I was thinking too, as a therapist, I can bring my expertise and my experience to it. But at the end of the day, the client is the expert in themselves. I'm in a way using my intuition, using my experience, but it's still sometimes a guess that that's what this client needs. And so when a client is willing to give me feedback, I feel like I can just be such a better therapist for them. So I know both Marnie and I really want people to advocate for their care. Like you can do this, you know, stand up for your care and demand the best care that you can get because that's how you're going to get better. There's so much trauma here. There's so much hurt. We want you to get better. We want you to feel better. And if you do advocate for yourself and then you realize the best way I can do that is to leave this therapist, then by all means, leave the therapist. Absolutely. It's just about taking responsibility for yourself and advocating for yourself and starting to also trust yourself. That's another thing. A lot of our clients come in and don't trust themselves, whether it's the person who's done the betrayal, who's now realizing that they were acting in ways that were completely incongruent with their own values. So they don't trust themselves. They're like, how, well, how did I do that? Right. That's so they don't trust themselves and the betrayed partners often don't trust themselves in their own intuition anymore. You know, there's been a lot of damage done there. And so part of this process we're talking about is starting to heal that part of oneself, starting to rebuild trust in oneself and saying, okay, I can trust myself to know if this feels right. And I can trust myself to use my voice, to advocate for myself with this therapist, to talk about what doesn't feel right for me, to talk about what I'm looking for, and then to make a decision about perhaps whether to leave. I do want to circle back to something you said earlier, Dwayne, because I think it was important. You were saying that some people might not even know that they are allowed to have that kind of conversation with a therapist. So I do want to say there are people that come into therapy that are from families where they were never allowed to use their voice or they got punished for using their voice or for questioning authority. So we also realized for those people that this whole thing could be very challenging. And that's why really trying to get a referral for a therapist who comes highly recommended by someone you trust might be a good way to do it because then at least at the beginning, there might be a little bit of safety there for you so that you might feel that you can slowly start to go through this process of advocating for yourself. And then the other thing is some people might know that they're allowed to, or they might not feel like, okay, I I can't use my voice and I can't have this conversation, but they don't have the skills to do it right? Haven't learned the skills. And and oftentimes we see that with the couples, like the couples don't have the skills to talk to each other about these kind of things. So that's also problematic. And we recognize that. So none of this is easy. There's not like an easy answer. You know, if you struggle with having the skills to have a talk with the therapist, here's what I would say. If you're with a good therapist, you can say that the therapist, I want to talk to you about something that's hard for me to talk about. It's a little uncomfortable and I don't even know how to do it. Can you help me? which might feel strange because you're actually coming to talk about your feelings about the therapist. But again, that's one of the most beautiful, hard, but beautiful things about the therapeutic relationship. Because there's not so many relationships out there where you can really use the relationship itself 
to get help, to grow and to heal. So I really want to empower anyone who's listening, who's been struggling with this, who's not feeling um, like they're in the right place or they're, they're not able to necessarily get from their therapy what they're wanting and they haven't talked to the therapist or the coach about it. I'm really empowering you to take the risk, take a breath, share with the therapist or coach that you need their help. And I think they'll help you. I hope that they would help you because that is what we are there to do, right? We're there to be able to help you. And it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about you. It's about you as the client. Yeah. And I would say if the therapist can't hold that conversation with you, that's also something you need to listen to when you advocate for your own care. Because if they can't have that conversation with you, then maybe it is time to maybe find somebody else that might be a better fit for you. And if you find yourself thinking right off the bat, you know, if you're talking to a therapist, you're like, I think I'm going to leave. You know, it's not the right therapist. We want you to actually practice listening to your intuition again and trusting yourself. So there's a balance. Before just making that decision, I'm out. You can check in with yourself. Am I really done? Is this really something that I have tried and realized it's not for me? Or is this an old pattern of wanting to leave or run when something feels tough? Is it that I need to have a conversation that's too uncomfortable, so I'm wanting to run, right? And then you could then make a decision. So it is so important to learn to trust your own gut again, to trust your intuition. So we're not saying to just leave or to just stay. We're saying, have a conversation with yourself, right? And figure this out. Yeah. And I was going to give one more other suggestion in doing this is if you're looking for a new therapist, one of the questions you can ask them right off the bat is, what if I feel this therapy isn't working? How do you handle that? And see what their response is to that. And that might give you some kind of gauge as well. Just ask them right off the bat. That might feel safer in the very beginning of the relationship than establishing a relationship and then having to ask that question because you've already set that up as a possible question for your therapist. And you can see how they respond to that as well. It's a great suggestion. Great suggestion. Yeah, we actually have a a podcast out that is about how to find the right couples therapist. And we even have a document that we've shared with our audience about like what are the top 10 questions I think to ask your therapist. And as we're talking, I'm thinking that should be a question we put in there, right? Not just for couples therapists, but for any therapist across the board. If this isn't working, how do we talk about it? Can we talk about it? How do you handle that? I think it's an excellent suggestion. And I want to also suggest a book. It's an old book, but a great book. And it's called The Power of Positive Confrontation. I think the author's name is Barbara Pachter. Could be wrong about that. But this book is all about helping to reframe the idea of having a confrontation, talking about something difficult with someone from a place of it's going to cause conflict to actually, this is going to bring empowerment and actually it's going to strengthen the relationship. Because if you are carrying around in any relationship at all, a feeling or a thought, and you're not expressing it, let's say the other person is hurting you and they don't even know they're hurting you in some way, you're not giving them the opportunity to even know. So they can't do anything to change. And therefore that pain that you're having is going to continue as opposed to taking the risk of telling that person how you're feeling and letting them respond and maybe even having them change their behavior. And then you guys have gotten through this maybe difficult patch and the relationship is stronger than it's ever been. Or you learn that you can't be vulnerable and authentic with someone because they react in a very, um, well, 
They respond in a non-loving way. They don't take responsibility. They flee, they fight, right? They, They get super angry or rageful. Then you might realize, well, if this person's not safe for me to talk about, maybe it's not a safe relationship. But this book is truly amazing in really helping to sort of reframe that idea of having difficult conversations, having confrontations is about having to step into some really high conflict. And rather it's not, it's about becoming powerful and empowered. So that's a great book to check out. Every human should read it, in my opinion, everybody. I think that's a great suggestion. So we really want you to advocate for your care. I hope this episode has been helpful in that. And if you're struggling in your therapeutic relationships, your coaching relationships, that this gives you some tools to maybe approach that and advocate for your care. We want the best for you. So advocating for your care means taking responsibility for yourself. So those two things go hand in hand. So we support you in advocating for yourself. We encourage you to take responsibility for yourself and what you can take responsibility for. And we appreciate as always you giving us the opportunity to support you on this journey. Thank you everyone so much for listening to Helping Couples Heal. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, where your healing is the number one priority. If you'd like additional resources about betrayal trauma or to learn more about the workshop, please visit helpingcouplesheal.com. If you're finding the podcast helpful, please support Marnie and Duane in continuing to reach others impacted by betrayal trauma by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast with someone you care about. Once again, thank you for listening. We're grateful for your trust and look forward to continuing to support you on your journey of healing.